Hi guys, welcome back to the Fitness Diaries podcast. I'm Lisa. On this week's episode, I sat down with Alex Katz. Um, This is actually the second time I got to talk to Alex. The first time that we taped this with Caitlin, the audio was completely off, so we had to redo it. And it took us a few months to re- schedule this but I was happy we finally did it um it was so much fun talking to her she has a great story she has overcome so much and I hope you enjoy the episode as much as I had fun talking to her so for people who don't know about you let's give them a little backstory on you and your health and fitness journey yeah definitely so like you said my name is Alex Katz I am I do a lot of things. So I am a fitness expert. I am a speaker. I'm the creator of a group coaching program called Mind Body Breakthrough. And at the same time, I'm also a ninja warrior athlete and coach and work with kids in foster care, including actually running a ninja warrior nonprofit that also works with kids who've experienced trauma in their lives. Really? That's amazing. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. How did you get into that? So when I was growing up, I grew up in a pretty abusive household, actually. And so my home life was always really unstable. And Mm -hmm. I left when I was 17. uh, And when I got to college, I worked 80 hours a week and found myself experiencing homelessness uh, during vacations, you know, so for a month during the winter, three months in the summer, maybe a week over Thanksgiving. And During that time, I actually started working for a program that works with kids in the Connecticut foster care system. And I knew from that moment that this is what I wanted to be doing. And I knew that my story and my resilience really resonated with them. And I was able to help them really step into, you know, who they wanted to be instead of just focusing on where they were, where they've been. So I really got into it then, and then I went and got my master's degree because I knew that I wanted to come back and run that program. And so actually in 2018, Mm -hmm. I came back and started running that exact program and then started creating resources for other students at that university who are also experiencing homelessness. So I really incorporate it into everything that I do, whether it's, you know, what was my full-time job or the nonprofit that I run, and actually... I'm now donating a percentage of my business proceeds to helping house students who need it. So it's really, you know, something I care a lot, a lot about. Oh my God, Alex, that's amazing. That's wonderful. Um, If you need us to help you in any way, let us know. Um, Because that is just something that's, you know, it's with, especially with this pandemic and, you know, my day job, I work on a kid's show. So Mm -hmm. it's, kids are like everything and that's our future and to see if they're struggling with like homelessness or food it's not something you want to see especially if they're also being abused Mm -hmm. and I love that you're doing that that's just I love it thank you (laughs) so let's get back to your story and how you got into health and fitness yeah definitely so let's go back in time to you know, when I was escaping my household. So I had actually been a track athlete my entire life. I was always really athletic growing up. Fitness was always my escape. I think that's part of the reason why my mental health was actually surprisingly really okay for somebody in my situation was because I did Mm -hmm. have fitness as that outlet. 
But then I was trying to run track in college. I overtrained. I tore my Achilles. And then when I ended up in college, I was also, you know, dealing with the housing situation, working 80 hours a week. I was also eating really whatever I could get my hands on, which led to a lot of health problems. I developed an eating disorder in the process, ended up with stomach ulcers, which then led to an ovary torsion. So I had to have surgery. And then right around that time, I think, you know, obviously all of this is connected. Right around that time, I actually broke my back. And I had horrible scoliosis as a kid to the point where I probably should have been in a back brace. You know, I've had kyphosis, which is where you're really rounded, uh, kind of thinking hunchback, right? And then Mm -hmm. uh, I just had a lot of physical trauma to my spine as a result of the abuse, but then also didn't recognize how, you know, we, we manifest emotional trauma a lot of times in our low backs. And then also when you do have issues with food and you're not properly absorbing nutrients, that makes you really susceptible to stress fractures. So, you know, and then with, with the stomach surgery, my pelvic floor, just so thinking about how all of these things came together and resulted in me actually breaking my low back twice um in the early oh wow yeah so how do you how do you heal from that you know you broke your back twice I had back surgery and was out of commission for a year um and how do you come back and be so strong as you are yeah so I think that's really where my my fitness journey picked back up was because in college I was not doing anything and I was actually in kind of not the best relationship at the time too. And when we broke up, that was me kind of being like, okay, who was I before this? What am I doing? And and I started getting back into fitness. And this was kind of after the first time it broke. So this was in between the first and the second time. And I think part of it was me wanting to get back in touch with that side of myself for mental health purposes. But part of it was you know, when I went to the doctor, they told me that there was a chance I wasn't going to walk again. And they told me that this was, yeah, this was going to be something I was going to have to deal with for the rest of my life. I wouldn't be able to do any of the sports that I loved. And I was determined to not let that be me. I've always been someone who has to prove everybody else wrong all the time. And so that's, I think, (laughs) and I love that. (laughs) I think that's where my fitness journey really actually started is, is wanting to become the strongest version of myself. And what really stuck with me too, is that when I went to physical therapy for my back, they told me my core was weak. And at the time I was over-exercising. I was trying to eat quote unquote healthy, right? And I was doing all the things and I had a visible six pack and I came in and this was still, this was still a little bit in in the eating disorder years because I went through a bunch of different eating disorders during this time but they told me my core was weak and I remember being really offended and I was like can't you see my six-pack what are you talking about and that was when I really learned that your core wraps all the way around right and there's so many different layers to it it's not just having visible abs and for me that was a wake-up call that I needed to change some things and so I started focusing on holistic strength fueling my body appropriately I think I told you last time I I haven't done sit-ups in years because I've found so many better ways yeah well and that's what I've always been told um you know I love body by flora Mm -hmm. and sometimes when I do sit-ups it kind of hurts me um and same with rumble if I do rumble stuff the sit-ups kind of hurt me and um 
I learned that there's other exercises yes. you can do totally. um, that are just as good as sit-ups. And the same, I was the same when I had my back surgery and they're like, we need to tighten your core. I didn't realize my core was all around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because they don't tell you that. <laughs> no, no, they do not. Yeah, exactly. No. Exactly. So, and then how did you get, so what exercises did you learn to get your core strength, um, especially without doing sit-ups? Yeah. Well, so I think the biggest thing that I learned in physical therapy wasn't even actually the exercises. It was that I needed to let go of my ego because I think I was so focused on needing to be the strongest or needing to mm -hmm. look super strong. You know, I remember them asking me to just do straight leg raises and I was like, this is easy. Look at me go. And they taught me that, you know, when I was doing it, my core was actually coming up into a dome shape and I was actually activating the wrong muscles for what they were looking for. And so I had to scale it back and do things that at the time I was like, this is so easy. This is embarrassing. But what I didn't realize is even though it didn't give me that same intensity that I thought I needed at the time, it was working those deeper layers and doing some of those movements were just as important as, you know, these super intense things. I, I talk to clients about this all the time. It's not go big or go home. It doesn't need to be super intense all the time. You know, a lot of times they are like, I need to do more. And I'm kind of like, no, you need to slow down and do less and let your body recover. But, you know, so I think that was the biggest thing was I had to let go of my ego. And then this was also the time when I first became certified as a personal trainer because I, I've always been fascinated by the human body and this was really my wake up call to say, you know, hold on, you need to look at movement in a totally different light. So right. to answer your question about exercises, uh, what, what I do and a lot of what I have my clients do, which again, keep in mind, everything should be, you know, individual to the person, but bear crawls, bear crawls were absolutely life changing for me. And again, this was a this was an ego one too, because I remember they had me do this in physical therapy. And basically it's this idea where you, you start in a tabletop position to do this right, mm -hmm. right? And your hands are right under your shoulders and your knees are right under mm -hmm. your hips and you lift up and your back should be totally flat. A lot of people do this with their butts way up in the air, which is a different style. But for this, you know, back totally flat and you're moving slowly and not letting those hips rock. And so I would just speed up and down the hallway, you know, in my bear crawl. And they're like, you need to slow down. I'm like, no, it's so easy. So they put a, a PVC pipe along my spine and they were like, do not let this fall off. And I couldn't make it even probably three inches without that PVC pipe falling off. And so, you know, again, all of this really just showed me that just because we can do something doesn't mean we're doing it well and doesn't mean we're listening to Correct. our bodies. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I try to instill in clients is like, you know, you can do things like bear crawls and, and bird dog and table lifts and all these, all these exercises that are not crunches, but are you doing them right? And are you listening to your body? Because that might not be where your body's at either. Right. And that's important too, like being able to listen to your body and what it needs and what it wants. So what do you tell clients so they do listen correctly because sometimes you're not really sure. Like I know for me, like sometimes it's not my body that wants to work out twice in one day. Sometimes it's like, I guess it's my ego, you know, like feeling like I have to work out, but sometimes my body's like, no, you don't, you just need to rest, you know? <laughs> um, 
And especially with foods, like the other thing that I've noticed too is like a lot of times the healthiest foods aren't necessarily always good for you. A lot of times people with IBS and having all these other stomach issues, um, sometimes you can't have salad and lettuce. And I know people get upset because they're like, well, how am I supposed to be healthy and fit if I can't eat a, a salad? You know, if I can't eat a cucumber, because sometimes vegetables, you can't do it if you have IBS. Yeah. What do you tell your clients on situations like that? Yeah. So there are a lot of things wrapped up in there. I, I think in terms of listening to your body, I mean, we grow up in diet culture. We grow up in this $72 billion diet industry that profits off of telling us there's something wrong with us and then offering a quote unquote solution to fix us that is designed not to work. So then we have to try something new and they profit off that too, right? So if you mm -hmm. have trouble listening to your body, that's not your fault. I think that's the first thing I usually tell people. And, and you know, whether that's because of the diet industry or it's, you know, something like you work really long shifts and you work, let's say, 14-hour days and you have trouble taking a break to eat during the day and you repress your hunger cues or, you know, maybe you've developed a difficult relationship with food or exercise for other reasons. You know, I, I was the chronic over-exerciser even outside of wanting to change my body, but literally because, you know, I think coming from childhood trauma, my central nervous system was on high all the time. So I craved those really intense things because it's like you spend your life on a roller coaster and then you get off it and you're like, oh, what do I do? You know? So, mm -hmm. so I think that there's a lot of different reasons why we become out of tune with our bodies. I think that so when we're babies, we have it figured out, right? When we're more or less, when we're hungry, we cry. Right. When we're full, we go to sleep. You know, we don't have insecurities because we can't understand what anybody's saying about us. We, we right. crawl all the time. <laughs> We've got it, right? And then we lose that. Uh, so one of the things I actually do teach is, is intuitive eating. You know, I, I know what you're saying about IBS for sure, because that's something I struggled with. I also have celiac. So there are a lot of foods that that I do struggle with. And I think that you need to find what works for you, whether it's movement, you know, if it's, if it's an exercise you think you quote unquote should be doing, but you hate it, you're not going to do it. Like getting me to do yoga is difficult. That's just not, that's not what I enjoy. Um, but weightlifting, Ninja Warrior, you don't have to ask me twice. Same thing with food. I work with a lot of people who have stomach issues, who are on a budget. You know, I think that Raw vegetables might be rough for some people, but that doesn't mean you can't do cooked or steamed veggies, you know, big Y, 10 for 10 steamed veggies, not an ad, but literally how I got through college and even still what I'm doing now because it's cheap. Once you cook the vegetables, it's easier for you to digest, you know, so you have to figure out how to make it work for you and then also figure out what are you doing for you and what are you doing because you think you should. So when it comes to food and, and mindfulness around food, I always ask my clients to take five seconds and think about why they're about to go grab the thing that they're going to go grab. So are you stressed? Are you upset? You know, what is the emotion that's happening? Take a second and figure out what is going on there and then figure out what you want to do from there. You know, because I think when, when it comes to stress eating or binge eating, I, I basically compare people wanting to go for super high carby foods to more so socially right. acceptable, basically socially acceptable thing, like you would use alcohol. It, it's essentially the same thing, right? Your brain 
is breaking down the carbs. It's releasing dopamine. It's making you feel good for like five minutes. And then you're going to feel worse Mm -hmm. than when you started. And they know this, right? But in the moment, they're craving that quick release that's going to make them feel better. So I like to ask, okay, what's another thing? What's another tool that you have in your toolbox that also makes you feel good? And I think when it comes to listening to your body, it's a process and it's hard, but it's not impossible. I have really bad sugar Mm -hmm. cravings. And it's, you know, when I'm really good and I can finally kick the sugar and I pretty much can stay really clean, clean eating, I'm fine. But once I bring that sugar back, I am SOL. Like it's so hard for me to get rid of it. Um, And I also suffer from migraines. So I also noticed that when I have migraines, I crave sugar, mm-hmm. weirdest thing. And when I eat clean and healthy, I really don't have the migraine yep. issue. Um, so it's just interesting how your body does relate to certain things and how, you know, food really is medicine. Like yeah. you, when you're craving something, your body normally needs it for some reason. No, if you're craving sugar, I don't think that that's what it needs. But it is kind of amazing. Like if you're craving certain foods, your body wants that. And then if you Mm -hmm. look up what the meaning of that is, it's like, oh, yeah. And it's the craziest. Yeah. Or it's your body. So like sugar, for example, it's your body saying it needs one thing and your brain not knowing how to interpret that signal. So it's saying, oh, I must need sugar. When in reality, what it's saying is, Maybe you're burnt out and you have adrenal fatigue. That also happens with craving salt, right? Maybe you're burnt out. Maybe Mm -hmm. you are lacking complex carbohydrates, right? Maybe you're looking for that dopamine rush because you feel really bad right now in this moment and you know it's going to make you feel better for a second. So really thinking about like what's the actual message here? What does this actually mean? Uh, And then also thinking about something else you said in there too about, um, oh yes, the connection, right? So there's a huge connection between gut health and mental health. And so while I do kind of say to clients that foods are not good or bad, you know, there, there is this connection between your gut health and mental health and certain things that you are going to impact your mental health and how your brain processes. And I think the more we can empower people to understand that, the better, but then also thinking about how when you feel like you're craving something and you restrict, you're going to crave it more, right? And so that's the other reason why I teach right. not to restrict foods because if you say sugar's bad, I can't eat the sugar, you know, it's like being a little kid with the cookie jar where your parents are like, don't touch the cookies. And so all you think about are the cookies, right? So exactly. yeah, so it's like the more that we can make foods not off limits and just make it like anything else in your life, the less you're going to crave it because the more it's just like, oh, I can have this whenever. It's not as interesting anymore. Right. And I do also notice if I'm really craving something that I know I shouldn't have, if I go outside and take a walk, normally the craving Mm -hmm. goes away. You know why? Why? (laughs) Part of it is because getting that movement in, your brain's releasing dopamine. It's making you feel good. That makes total sense. Total sense. Um, Let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, what it's like to be a ninja (laughs) warrior. Like, how did you get involved in all that? Yeah. So let's rewind again to back break years and 
slightly after that, I got into competitive obstacle course racing. And there were a couple years in there where Spartan race was literally my life. I would travel all over the place. I was competing on an elite level within Spartan race and I loved it. And this was actually, I had moved to Rhode Island for grad school at the time and they're really big into obstacle course racing there. And when I moved back to Connecticut, there was like nothing, nothing existed around me. And then a ninja gym opened up and I decided to go try it out. I had watched the show, you know, I saw other women do it and say, you know what, this could be me. And the other piece of it was that I actually have a lot of trauma with heights and water from, again, going back to childhood abuse. And so, as I said before, I'm the person that needs to, you know, somebody tells me I can't do something, I have to figure out how to do it, right? So so I said, this is going to be really good. And, and the other piece of it was I wanted to show my kids to that your past doesn't define you. So I said, you know, if I can figure out how to do this, I've already got the grip strength, I'm good at obstacles, I just have to conquer the heights and water. And if I can figure out how to do this, it'll mean so much to them, it'll be, you know, I'll be a really good role model for them to show them this. So I got into it. And honestly, I sucked. I was so, so bad when I started, because I, I was really strong, but I wasn't really in tune with my body. You need a lot of really good body awareness for this sport. And you're also throwing your body several feet through the air, whether you're jumping to something in a parkour style or you're throwing your body between bars, you know, you're swinging, letting go and catching something else could be a bar, could be something as small as a pen, you know, you never know what you're going to catch. So I struggled a lot with that. And I also didn't realize that the heights were going to impact me more than I thought. And so eventually I actually just got really tired of getting in my own way. You know, I think that I used to explain to everybody else, it's not that I'm not strong. I'm just, I'm just scared. I just have issues with heights, you know, and I would explain it. And the more I'd explain it, the worse it got, like the the more scared I became. And so eventually one day I was like, listen, cats, because I talk to myself and I call myself cats, which is my last name. Right. Right. But I'm like, listen, cats, this is not you can't keep saying this. So I switched the narrative because the language in your brain, right, the language you use is so powerful. I switched the narrative. And every single day I said, I love heights. This is fun. This is amazing. And then I ended up actually getting really good. And, you know, I I think was it two years ago, I placed 23rd out of 94. For, for women in the world, which I right. remember that because it came up on Facebook. It was two years ago today. But it just, yeah, nice. I just really wanted to prove to myself and to others that your past doesn't define you, you know, especially with my back too, that you can do literally anything. No, I love that. And that's totally true. And it's hard to like keep the motivation and keep the confidence. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever, st- well, I'm sure, I mean, we all have, we've all struggled oh, yeah. with depression and, you know, mental health issues. And, you know, we all have those moments. And I know for me, it's really, really hard to like, Kudalini meditation Mm -hmm. is life. Uh, If I didn't have meditation, I found Kudalini over quarantine, and it's really has saved my Mm -hmm. ass. (laughs) Um, So I don't know if you meditate too, but um, what do you tell your clients that are struggling with, you know, depression and, you know, anxiety and just overall so much stress because mental health is a big thing and you know working out has helped me a lot um but what do you what advice do you give your clients when they're in slumps yeah great question and no definitely something that i struggled with i used to 
really struggled with depression and anxiety, especially throughout college. Uh, I think my lowest was actually grad school, where I would say I was actually probably suicidal at that time, like passive, passively, oh, wow. you know, right. um, I think because I think it was more just the thoughts of like, I, I was struggling to fit in. I always struggled with friendships. Uh, a lot, you know, in elementary school, I was bullied a lot, I think, because of my home situation. And so when I was in grad school, and I moved to a new state, and I'm struggling to make friends. And, uh, you know, it was like, well, nothing I do is working. So you know, what what am I going to do? It wasn't like, it was more just like, I wanted to just leave, you know what I mean? Right. I, I would say more than anything. But eventually, what ended up happening was I, I remember sitting and, and I, I'm sharing this because I think this is a powerful story for anybody struggling. Um, you know, I was sitting in the library one day watching this group of girls and this one girl came over and they were all after she left, they were all talking about how amazing she was and how much they loved her. And I remember sitting there really jealous and I was just like, oh, why can't that be me? And then something inside me clicked. And in that moment, I was like, wait why can't that be me? Right. And just that simple language shift, I realized that I had the power to become whoever I wanted to be. And I was letting, yeah, I was letting these stories of who I had been or who other people thought I was define me and really weigh me down. And so I decided in that moment that I wasn't going to let that happen anymore. And so for me, I started practicing what I teach to clients as superhero thoughts, which if you've heard of, you know, limiting beliefs and affirmations, they're, it's basically the same thing, mm-hmm. but I work with, with kids. So hero and villain thoughts sounds cooler. Um, so it's this idea right. that, you know, we all have villain thoughts that come into our brains and that's from things we've mm-hmm. experienced. It's from messages from other people, from society, from how we were brought up. And just like any hero, superhero movie, right, there's always going to be villains, but they're also always going to be superheroes to fight them. And so you are your superhero. You get to choose which power you need in any given moment based on which villain thought is coming up for you. So something that I started practicing was, was really that. And so thinking of, okay, what are all my villain thoughts? What is actually holding me back from being the person that I want to be? And then coming up with my own hero thoughts and practicing them every day. And I think this idea of hero and villains is really cool too, because there's always a battle. Every you know Marvel or DC movie you watch, there's always a battle between the hero and the villain. And so if you have villain thoughts, it's not that you're failing. You actually have the opportunity to go out to battle. Like how cool is that, right? We get to reframe the fact that we feel bad about ourselves mm-hmm. sometimes. Uh, so right. that's, that's one thing. And the second thing that's really worked well for me and that I teach is reframing. So I think Correct. that how you react, you can't, you can't always control how you react in a moment. Right. So. Exactly. No, I totally agree. Yeah, I totally right? agree. Like fight, flight, and freeze are innate human reactions. You can't control that. That's how your brain is responding to a traumatic event. And like in this pandemic, we're all going through trauma. Right. So, uh, so you can't mm-hmm. control it, but what you can do is sit down later and reframe. Okay. Well, what, what is happening in this situation? How can I reframe how I see this? So this idea of, feeling overwhelmed because one of my clients said to me yesterday that they were feeling overwhelmed. So the reframe is, okay, what opportunity do you have? You know, what opportunity is in this overwhelm? You're overwhelmed because you have so many amazing opportunities going on. And so that leads into the, the third thing, which is gratitude. I think that gratitude comes really naturally to me because 
you know, with, with the way that I grew up and the uncertainty that I had, I'm so grateful for the smallest, smallest things that I think so many people take for granted. And we live in this instant gratification culture where we want everything ASAP and we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people and what we think their realities are. And when that's not even true and what we think we should be doing, but the should isn't even what we want to do. It's what everybody else wants you to do. Right. And if you can just come back away from that and say, who am I really? What do I want? What does, what does Alex want? Despite what Alex thinks she should want or Mm -hmm. should be doing. And then say, what am I grateful for in this moment? And whatever's weighing me down, how can I reframe what's happening? And while that's happening, while I'm reframing, how can I also see myself as this amazing superhero right in this moment? So that's kind of what I do with them Mm -hmm. daily. No, that's great. Um, Great advice. Like I just, it's just nice that your clients like have someone that has like been through stuff. I think that that helps so much more to have a, you know, a coach and a trainer that gets it and that's been through so much and has experienced so much um, as Mm -hmm. opposed to someone who hasn't. Um, Because going through life lessons and saying, look, I know where you're going and this is what I did and this is how I can help you um, is just, so important. So important. Oh, yeah. no, 100%. <laughs> I think a lot of times coaches are really disconnected from the people they're working with or have a lot of their own resolved trauma. And, you know, that kind of comes into to what they're doing. Um, I was working with a client recently who said that her past coach uh, actually had her eating in a way that resulted in her losing her hair and her, her, yeah, her hair and her period and her coach told her that this was just the price she had to pay to look this way. And like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. There are so many amazing coaches out there, right? I know so, so many amazing coaches, but I do think that there are sometimes people who like either can't empathize and don't get it and don't understand where the client's coming from or really are not qualified to work with that person's specific issues, right? Like for this girl to say, yes, this sounds fine to me. She had a lot of her own disordered eating habits, right? And so this coach should have, should have noticed that and said like, I'm not the coach to work for you. And I think we, we run into issues sometimes where coaches think that they're qualified to work with everyone when they're not, you know, and I have no problem saying, I think I need to refer you to somebody if it's not my area of expertise, but you know, luckily, like my background is also mental health. I did spend two years, uh, almost three years working for a suicide prevention organization. I work with kids who've experienced a lot of trauma daily. I have for the last three years, you know, in addition to my coaching and yeah, I've been through it. So I have no problem saying, you know, what you need is outside of my scope. Let me refer you. But I also do love that I'm able to approach coaching from the perspective of somebody who has had an eating disorder, who has had a broken back, who has experienced a lot of trauma, you know, so there's both that personal and professional side. And, and I do think it's so holistic, like we need to look at physical and mental health as the same thing. And a lot of people Mm -hmm. don't. So that's, that's the reason why I created Mind Body Breakthrough was because I wanted something that really took a holistic, holistic approach to health and mental health. And then give us a backstory now on mind, mind body breakthrough, because you have this great program. So I'm actually enrolling right now for the next round, which starts March 15th. And really what it is, it's a 90 day 
group coaching program. So 12 weeks, although I will say this last round we extended. So it was 20 weeks because the women in the program did not want to leave. They loved it so much. And I actually have been running this since the start of quarantine. And part of the reason was because I was working with so many clients who were all saying the same thing and struggling with the same things, you know, looking in the mirror, hating their bodies, struggling with isolation and quarantine, struggling with their mental health, struggling with their relationship with food, especially in quarantine, actually just boundaries in general with quarantine because you're living and eating and working and raising kids and all the things in one spot. So I really took what everybody said they needed and they, they wanted connection. So I created a group course and we focus on strength training, intuitive eating, you know, mindfulness around food, basically healing your relationship with food so you can ditch the diet, stop using the scale all the time. Uh, I actually asked them to mail me their scales when they stopped using it because I wanted to create a video. I never use a scale. Good. Yeah. I mean, so scales, scales, and this is one of the things we talk about in the course is that Scales are not an accurate measurement for body composition. No. They also don't take into account things like stress and water and salt intake and, you know, just a whole lot of different factors. And, you know, so just for an example, I don't weigh myself, but I do know this from the last time I was at the doctor. I am 30 pounds heavier now than I was when I was drinking Sprite for every single meal and eating pizza for every single meal because my muscle mass is just so dense. Like I, you know, I'm 30 pounds heavier and I'm doing 15 more pull-ups, you know? So, so scales don't tell a full story. Right. Um, you know, BMI as an accurate measurement has been disproven a couple of times. I'm happy to send resources to anybody who has questions on that. Um, but, but a lot of people get hung up on it. And then, you know, like a lot of the, the women I was working with in Mind Body Breakthrough before starting the course, they were checking the number on the scale daily or multiple times a day. And the scale weight's going to fluctuate anywhere from two to six pounds in one day, depending on a whole host of factors. And so then what happens is you have people who are making a lot, a lot of progress. They're doing really well. They feel better. And they're letting this number control them and, and what they think they should be, right, for a number and and then end up basically not staying consistent with something that is working or makes them feel good because they're they're worrying about this number. So one of the things I help them do is stop using the scale completely, focus on building strength and a healthier relationship with food, focus on a healthier relationship with their bodies. And that doesn't mean changing their bodies. I'm also not saying their bodies won't change, but I do believe that how you see your body is a reflection of how you see yourself or a lot of these internalized pressures on society. Um, you know, and then, and then really focusing on just getting rid of those villain thoughts. Obviously you're never going to get rid of them completely, but getting really, really good at fighting them, setting better boundaries, you know, just going after the things that you want. I, in this course I had, so between this round and last round, I had three people quit toxic jobs and start their own businesses just because of the confidence they gained. And awesome. honestly, the the best testimonial, I've had amazing, amazing testimonials from this course, but the last round, one of the women said to me actually that before starting Mind Body Breakthrough, she was actually suicidal. So 20, 22 weeks ago, she was suicidal. And then after coming out of my course, she's literally the happiest she's ever been in her entire life. She has new confidence. She's able to set boundaries. She's got new coping skills. She's not amazing. binge eating the same way anymore. You know, it's it's just like amazing transformations. Yeah. Oh, awesome. 
And then what is, like if someone was to sign up, what is your course entail? Like what is everything? Yeah, that that's a great question. Like, how do you, I mean, how do you plan eating? How do you plan workouts? How do you like, yeah, give us so each week we focus on something else. I actually also have several guest coaches come in who are uh, experts in their own fields. They're health coaches, they're hormone uh, mapping and cycling specialists. They, you know, a whole host of people who come in with, with again, expertise outside of mine as well, who can offer a different perspective. And each week we have a group coaching session and everybody also gets a one-on-one, what I call get unstuck session with me each week. And that can be focusing on nutrition and mindful eating. It could be focusing on where they feel like they're getting stuck, if they're holding themselves back in life, if that's, you know, something with food, if that's something with uh, just just anything, really. Like, I do a lot of life coaching in this program. So it's a combination of life coaching, custom, personalized nutrition coaching, but no diets, because we know I'm anti-diet. Um, and just, and then you also can do one-on-one fitness work with me as well. I actually try to help everyone in this program get their first push-up and or first pull-up if it's applicable, like if they have a pull-up bar, because I do believe in just one, teaching as many women as possible how to do this because it's empowering. But two, when we can have a goal like push-ups to work on, it makes it so much more realistic, right? And, and it makes it a better way to move away from the scale to say, you know what, I don't care about this, the number on the scale anymore, but I care about the number of push-ups I'm going to get by the end of 12 weeks, you know? Right. Yeah. Push-ups are hard. They're hard for me. Um, I can do awesome. 20 regular push-ups. Um, I couldn't do that before quarantine. I was lucky if I could get five mm. and then I'd have to do them on my knees. Um, but I've done so many different types of workouts during quarantine and really worked harder mm-hmm. getting my strength. Um, yeah. And a lot of planks, like planks mm-hmm. have really saved me because I think that that's the reason that I'm able to yeah. do so many pushups. No, I, I haven't tried, like, I don't have a pull-up bar. I don't mm-hmm. know if I could do that yet, um, but that's, like, on my list. Like, I want to be able to do, like, I used to be very flexible and do a lot of mm-hmm. gymnastics and stuff when I was little, and be on the bars. <laughs> There's no way I could do any of that now. Um, and so I'm, you know, even some of the yoga poses that I see, I'm like, okay, I want to be able to do that. <laughs> so... Those are kind of like my fitness goals because I do eventually want to like mm-hmm. be able to do a couple pull-ups, but right now I don't think, I still don't think I have the arm strength yet. Yeah, I'm for getting- sure. I mean, we all start somewhere and I, you know, a lot of these women that I'm working with, they couldn't even hold a 20 second plank when we started and now I've got them doing push-ups. you know? So I think part of it is also when it comes to coaching, I think a lot of times people are like, oh, well, I could do this by myself if I just had more motivation or accountability or, you know, whatever the thing is. And this is so much more than a fitness program. I think one of the really big things that comes out of this is I do a deep dive into people's habits and help them develop new habits, help them replace habits that they don't love, help them just completely rewire their brains and how they see themselves and their bodies. And um, I had a a friend I guess coached for her program. She called me a mind bender. And that was like the best compliment I've ever gotten. You know, it's, it's mind bender and back whisperer are the ones I've gotten uh, in the last week. But 
Yeah, but you know, it's that's great thinking about your your goals, whether that's you know a push up goal, pull up goal, any single life goal, is thinking about how are your habits working for you, and also thinking about the fact that like motivation is going to come and go, right? So especially in quarantine. So if you can set up your habits in a way that are directly working towards this goal all the time and, and also staying consistent and knowing that, you know, like these women with their, their push-ups, even if they started not being able to do a 20-second plank, there's a system and there's support and there's accountability. And that's huge. And that was one of the really big things I, I loved about starting this program. One of the reasons why I started this program, it's just a safe space for people to to unpack their insecurities, to become the strongest versions of themselves mentally and physically, and to do things that they never thought possible. You know, like you saying with the pull-ups and push-ups, like, what if you did this, for example? And then 12 weeks later, you come out of it being like, oh my God, I never thought I could do that. You know, it just, it builds your confidence to what else did I think I couldn't do? And now I can, you know? Yeah. I've learned how to change my mindset to Mm -hmm. know that I can do and be whatever I want. Uh, that took a long time. You know, I wasn't raised in a household that was like very supportive of my, you know, acting, Mm -hmm. dancing, performing dreams. You know, I was raised in a household that you get married Mm -hmm. by the time you're 23 and have kids. I mean, that's how we were raised, but that was never my mindset. Like I tried to move to LA when I was, um, in my early twenties and I know my mom wasn't having it. And then finally, Finally, a couple of years later, I did. And, you know, that was, I mm-hmm. got to be me and get that confidence that you need and realize you were capable of doing anything and everything. And I also don't like it when people put mm-hmm. age on stuff. Drives me crazy. I don't know how you feel about that, but like, I don't think age should matter. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Actually, one of the, uh, the oldest woman in our program right now is 53 and she's crushing pull-ups and she's crushing all these things. And you know, I think it's also really inspiring for the other girls in the group to see. But yeah, I really, I believe you can do anything at any age. I really believe that your circumstances don't define you. And I think that we have a fear of age in this country the same way we have a fear of, you know, women getting bigger mm-hmm. and taking up space. And I was talking about this the other day. It's like we're expected I to agree. be teenagers for our entire lives. Like we have to be the same size that we were when we were 16 and we our face and our skin has to look the same, you know, can't have wrinkles. We can't get older. We can't all these things. And it's like, who comes up with these rules, you know? And I, I think that one of the things I also do in this program is we really do a deep dive into the diet industry and understanding where a lot of these messages come from, because when we can understand that, I think that empowers us to kind of take back the driver's seat and and say, you know, yeah, I can do whatever I want. Cause I think for you and I, we had it, you know, we were lucky because we left and we had our own freedom to do, Mm -hmm. you know, as much as people are like, oh my gosh, that must've been so hard. Yes, sure. But I'm also really lucky when I talk to some of my clients, I'm like, wow, I'm so grateful. I don't have these, these sorts of family pressures that they're dealing with. And I think it becomes really difficult for them to step into who they want to be when they have all these family pressures of who their family or friends or other people think they should be. So one of one of the things I help them do is shred the should, you know, so that they can have that same liberating experience that we had, but on the inside and not have to actually just cut themselves off from their families, you know, unless, unless it's toxic and that's what they need to do. But I think that 
you know, we do get so, so many pressures from so many different areas and we're trying to please everybody but ourselves. And that goes back to being intuitive and listening to your body and listening to your brain. And I think that we're bombarded with so many messages that we forget who we actually are and what we actually want and who we wanted to be before society told us. Exactly. Totally. Um, Is there anything else that you want to let us know before we wrap up any other projects you're working on? Any other projects? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm obviously I talked a lot about mind body breakthrough. I will say that the scholarship fund I mentioned for the kids experiencing homelessness, that's, you know, coming especially primarily from that program, from proceeds from that program. But then we also have Ninja Warriors first ever mentoring program happening right now. So I started that with the, the rest of the neighborhood ninjas team. We started that back in January, first week of January, actually. And we have some amazing ninjas involved as mentors and some amazing ninjas as mentees. And we're looking to expand that and continue to help make Ninja Warrior more accessible and to increase access and diversity within the sport. And I mean, we know this, you said this earlier, movement is so good for your mental health. It's so important. And there's Mm -hmm. so many links between you know, kids who've experienced trauma and the the power of play and the power of community. And so we're really just right now we're trying to expand this and we're going to expand it hopefully outside of the ninja community as well to get more kids involved. So if anybody listening wants to get involved, we definitely are always looking for help. And this is a nationwide nonprofit, so it doesn't matter where you are. Awesome. Now, how would people, if people want to be a part of that, where do they get in touch with you for your um stuff and for everything yeah good question so i am on instagram it's alex double underscore cats k-a-t-z as in zebra i had to do the double underscore because i guess alex cats is also a famous painter so that name was already taken uh (laughs) but you know you can find me on instagram there's also www.alexcatscoaching.com. You can find me and my contact info through there. Uh, you know, anything Neighborhood Ninjas related can come straight to me too. So if anybody has any questions about my programs, working with me one-on-one for life coaching or for fitness coaching or anything in between, I am totally always happy to help. Even if you don't want to work with me and you just have questions, I'm always, always happy to help people. So Awesome. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for coming back and being a part of the podcast and sharing your story. It was just a lot yeah, of fun. It was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. Thank Talk to you, you soon. soon. Have a great day. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and all the episodes that I put out. It really means a lot to me to have your support. If you get a chance to follow me on my personal page, Lisa Rapp, six underscore, and the podcast page, of course. And if you haven't subscribed, please feel free to subscribe. Um, I'm going to have a YouTube channel soon, and I'm going to also start doing these videos on Zoom. So there's audio and video for you to watch. So any other suggestions you have or other people you want me to interview or have on or do live IGs, just let me know. Have a great day. Thank you so much.